You're listening to The Piano Pod, where we talk to the brightest minds in the industry about how they are bringing the piano into the 21st century. Welcome back to another episode of The Piano Pod. I am Clara Zhang. I'm Yukimi Song. And I am Eric Hunter. Happy April and a happy Jazz Appreciation Month, fondly known as Jim, everyone. And do you know, Jim was created by John Edward Hassey, curator of the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History in 2001 to recognize and celebrate the extraordinary heritage and history of jazz for the entire month of April. Jim is intended to stimulate and encourage people of all ages to learn and listen to jazz music. And today, we're so excited to be interviewing world-class jazz pianist, composer, recording artist, educator, and my dear friend, Jim Riddle, to celebrate Jim. Welcome, Jim. Thank you you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jim. Uh, uh, this is a long time coming. Uh, we have been friends for so many years, and uh, I'm so glad that we have this opportunity to do this interview professionally. And I just want to introduce a little bit of uh, Jim before we officially start. Jim is a busy performing artist based in New York City, performing in major venues such as Blue Note in New York City, Japan, Italy, Jazz Standard, Birdland, and Carnegie Hall. He regularly performs in festivals in America, Europe, Japan, and South America, and has toured all around the world. All right. So I, I know we, you have accomplished so, so much in your career, Jim. And, um, but now we get into all these questions. We are okay. so desperate and we want to ask, you know. So, you know, I teach a lot of little kids. And uh, I would like to know, you know, um, in the very, very beginning, I'm curious. When did you decide to become a jazz musician? Um, was that an instinct in the childhood or you just uh, woke up one day, it's like, I'm going to be a jazz guy. <laughs> what well, is it like? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. When I was, I, I don't know, like eight or 10 or something, in that age period, uh, um, I think it was through a few recordings that my father had, my okay. brother had. Just Oh, wow. Uh, but not very much. I mean, mm. I was listening to pop radio and, and things that my older siblings were listening to. Right. Pop and rock. And uh, and there was a few jazz recordings. I think Andre Previn, the great conductor, pianist, but he was mm. also a fantastic jazz pianist. Had a recording by him. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I was interested in music and I was playing by ear. No okay. real study. Uh, so you have perfect pitch, I, I No, no I, I, oh, wow. I wish I did. But just, you know, kind of when you imitate and you copy, sure. copy something that you hear. Uh, so I was interested in music from when I was a little kid. And mm-hmm. I was inspired by my oldest brother who composed a piece for the, his concert band in high school. And so right. I was like mesmerized by what he did. And then... Uh, so I continued just playing, and I did take some lessons at my from uh, Sister Rebecca at the parochial school, and I quit after a couple of years. My father wasn't very happy, but I kept playing. Mm. So anyway, it leads to 
I became more and more interested in jazz as an early teenager, and then uh, it, it's amazing what teachers do because in I grew up in Dickinson, North Dakota, a very small rural oh, town. Wow. Yeah, and uh, uh, my father had heard this uh, this pianist play mm. with a guitar player at this local restaurant bar, and Shoot. he really loved what they played, and so he asked. His name is Keith Traquere, and he asked Keith, he said, hey, my son is, you know, interested in jazz. Would you be willing to teach him? Wow. And uh, he and he said, well, sure. And so we set up a lesson and mm -hmm. and I was 15 years old. So when I first first heard him play, I go. That's how I want to play. That's what I want to do. It was it was an immediate moment in that way. I mean, there wow. was music before that and then. That changed my life, and I studied with him, and he turned me on to, you know, Keith Jarrett, Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock, Bill Evans, Miles Davis, etc. Uh, uh, stride players, ragtime, country music, and so it started me from there. I that was my path. All these years mm -hmm. later, it's it'll be my whole life. Right. So, uh, yeah. So the, the the influence of this teacher, Keith. Yeah. And we're still in contact. Is that oh, he's uh, a fantastic musician, and he he just retired. He taught like high school band and stuff for concert band, etc. For uh, many many years. But it's great. We're still in contact. That is just so amazing, you know. Especially for the yep. younger students, I think that you know their ch child our childhood teachers really sometimes mean so much. You know, it's yes, like, yeah. It, cuts us to into a, a place that we, you know, we just have that imagination. And uh, also when you mentioned you were studying at a sister, uh, was, was that, what do you mean sister? Um, oh, it's, uh, it was uh, a Catholic grade okay. school. So, so that's really cool. Even the Catholic nun, they are teaching jazz, is that? Oh, well, no, this wasn't jazz. I mean. <laughs> I see. Yeah, no, it was uh, uh, no jazz. It was just a fun see. fundamental piano. I got it. You know, so yep. uh, yeah, and uh, well, they're still cool. <laughs> We're teaching piano. Cool. Yes, of course. Yeah. Right. So, wow, that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I had no idea. I didn't know, you know, but I know we all start somewhere, and uh, yeah. So I, I, we have so many questions, but I all just right, have. Can I Yes, Can I ask you a question? Sure, yeah. go ahead. So, Jim, I'm curious because um, the story of how you started out seems to me kind of familiar. I, I feel like a lot of jazz pianists start in the same way where they get kind of traditional piano lessons from a teacher and then they might lose interest a little bit and go off on their own for a while because for whatever reasons, I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything, but I feel like oftentimes it's because they are not allowed to express themselves creatively or they haven't found the sound that they're looking for. And then um, and then 15, you know, you're already a teenager and that was kind of like your aha moment. And I'm just yeah. wondering, is there anything easier? Like, it seems like you had to kind of wander for a while. Actually, this was the case with Mike Grande also, who was on our show and he's a rock musician, but it, it took him until he was about that age to find somebody that really clicked with him. Like, is it, can we teach younger kids jazz from like an earlier age so they don't, or is it just by definition going to be this kind of wandering path before you get into it? Uh, well, uh, it's a good question. I think it's very different now than when, uh, I was 15, which is many, many years ago, mm -hmm. because 
these days you have the accessibility to the music it's 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 worldwide i mean mm. it was accessible to me in you know 1974 or something like that i mean it's it's so music gets everywhere all over the world but the accessibility now through the internet in particular and you know youtube and then all the literature there's a million books about jazz theory about jazz instruction about how to play who to listen to there's mm -hmm. just a wealth of things so for and i've heard this you know like on youtube when you hear like the the little prodigies of playing not only classical music and bluegrass and things like this but there's like amazingly talented you know even 10 year olds that are playing very sophisticated stuff obviously they have a a very tuned in ear i think mm -hmm. quite immediately but of course yes you, you you can you can get into i think the mechanics of the music uh much earlier but still it's about the listening mm. you know because the recordings especially in jazz music the recordings teach us uh the 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 music both you know directly but kind of in the air because you're listening and then because for me i'll elaborate on this a little bit m one of my early heroes was oscar peterson who you've sure. probably heard of because he's uh one of the great jazz pianists of the 20th century into the 21st century and i wore this one record out and so i was very influenced by him it's still in my playing but that was through that recording and so you know 15 it clicked for me but certainly uh yeah i didn't i didn't know until then what i was going to do but music was with me since i was five mm -hmm. I, i know that for That's a right. fact so <clears throat> it kind of took me further <clears throat> excuse me so yeah yeah so would you say that in a way um jazz education starts with listening then because i think one uh, important distinction to make between jazz and classical is in jazz the reference is the recording it's the album right where in, in with classical yeah. music you know for mozart bach beethoven composers like that they didn't have recording technology obviously so our reference was the score yeah but i i would ask you guys so <clears throat> as you were coming up and learning like who like say uh Mozart piano concerto and you go well who's your favorite player right Who plays it who's your favorite recording you probably all have that relationship to them or I'm asking that that's makes sense right yeah. right of course yeah yeah definitely because uh because because then for me uh you know the 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 sound of Oscar Peterson got in my playing Herbie Hancock Chick Corea Keith Jarrett all those things that are very important influences to shape well first of all to gain a vocabulary of ideas and use mm. literally steal them if they were on the score we're all essentially doing the same thing we're taking right. the music and then we try and personalize it uh in our own way so you know all those players are in are in me but then also vladimir horowitz my hero you know wow. arthur rubenstein Wow. Uh, Claudio Rao, I mean, just 
just uh, Martha, Martha Agarich, yep. and et cetera. I mean, I, anybody who plays great right. and is soulful, I go, I'm in, you know, so. Throughout the history of uh, jazz, you know, it, it went through so many different styles. How did you, how do you define jazz? Or um, what does jazz mean to you? You know, I would like to know. Yeah, it's not, I guess it's not quite a simple answer, but it's, uh, well, being the age that I am, it's, uh, it's a way of living. I mean, it's still 20 years old. You uh, and Kevin always look so young, you know? 20 times three, right, okay. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a way of living. Just be, I'm only saying that because I've sure. been in it for so long. But it's, uh, it's one of the freest forms of music to express yourself. Mm. And, uh, uh, and I've been always attracted by the feel of the music, you know, how, how the music moves, but also how it makes me move inside of myself. And at times, even physically, it's just I, I love the groove of the music and the feel right. of the music. I mean, it's and of course, that's not only relegated to jazz, but it's uh, it's that. And then the uh, the the sense of improvisation that mm. is, it is an improvisation based music. Yet it there's a lot of structure to it that uh, is important to convey you know, as a teacher, but also to people who are listening, who, who want to get into the music, who are either musicians or non-musicians about how it's built. Because, yes. it's, of course, it's very, very complex, but the structures are very, very simple. Very, very simple. And so that, um, anyway, there's a lot of room. And you can be a misfit. Maybe you don't fit in. Mm. in certain ways i think because the music it's over a hundred years old right and it's uh encompasses so many styles of music from all over the world mm. yes yes you know and it and it continues so uh that's what i think is very very beautiful about the art form and more and more uh you know classical i i like this aspect of how things are evolving that classical and jazz musicians are really starting to become much Marching, right yeah integrated whereas there's like uh there's a terrific pianist named dan tepfer who's okay. uh, a fantastic jazz pianist but an incredible improviser with bach you know i wow. mean I, I i don't do those things but i i can take something and build something but you know great uh, brad meldow fantastic you know, certainly classical player, Keith Jarrett. Yep. You know, uh, mm -hmm. a, a great classical musician as well. Chick Corea, Herbie mm -hmm. Hancock, they all had their roots, but they continued them over the course of their career. So uh, anyway. It, That's beautiful. So, so it's, uh, I, I mean, it's a, it's a very good place for me to exist in quote unquote jazz, but it covers yeah. so much. It's, you know. Uh, that yes. that it's it's hard to define just one particular way, but that's but thank my description. You. Thank yeah. you. Yes, yeah. that's beautiful. So um, I have several questions. So yeah. I um, I saw your video clip 
of uh, several videos actually on YouTube. And then one in particular I really loved was Blues is Free. It says in the description, it says 12 bars with no set melody. So um, were you basically improvising yes. on the spot? Oh, wow. Yes. But, uh, so the first 12 bar is kind of the theme. Is that what it is? Well, um, the, the, the thing about the blues is that in the tradition of it, it's 12 measures long, and it, that's the form. Like it's, then you start over. And oh, I didn't know, no. <laughs> and you, you keep cycling that particular chord progression, and it's built on one, four, five. You know, the tonic, dominant, subdominant. Um, you know, and that's the classic uh that's the classic form. I can play it for you if you want. Sure. Yes, okay. that would be great. A one, two, three, four. So I didn't play any melody, but that was just a, a copying rhythm. Bum, right. Dum, dum, right. And so one, four, one, five, four, one. That's the traditional, um, the traditional blues. Mm -hmm. And then with uh, the more of the jazz influence would be this. There's still 12 bars. It's in the key of C. So. So all right, it's it's. Thank you. You, I feel like I'm back in the bar again. Yeah. <laughs> in the jazz club. Yeah, I wish I was too. We all have to wait. Uh, but it's soon. Uh, soon. It, you still hear the the you know the landing places of going to the four chord, the five chord, but there's passing chords that are leading in from C that lead up to F seven that lead back to C, and then there's these passing chords. You know, but that's the jazz influence of, you know, harmonies coming in. But the important thing is it's still 12, 12 measures long. That never, ever varies. Oh, okay. So, like, if you think of you're looking at a clock and it goes 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2. It's always this cycle. Mm -hmm. And you have to count and you can't lose your place. But that's... That's all it is. I mean, it's a, it's a wow. particular number of measures 
it's well, of course, it's more than that, but the math part of it is 12 bars. There's a few other different forms where there's an eight bar blues and things like that, but this is the traditional, you know, um, mm. sound. Yeah. The first one I played in particular, but yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, so I totally enjoy the blues is free. So uh, for those who are listening or watching, I'll make sure to put this uh, YouTube link in the description so you can watch it as well. But um, so can, can I just, talk a little more yes. about it? Just just on that particular performance. Uh, yes, there was no melody here. I didn't play any melody either. You know, I was just playing the <laughs> chords. Um, but uh so in that sense, it's, it's very, very open in that I can create a melody and, and then come back to that later. But it's, it's, a form, it's a form for expression, I guess, maybe in the sense of like, a, like in classical music, like maybe a canon or something like that, where it's this recurring, or a passacaglia, where it's re this recurring uh, bass movement that just keeps cycling like Pachelbel's canon. You know, it's very improvisatory in a way after the initial theme. So mm. it, it, it would be like this. It's a, it just is... It, so in that sense with jazz, it's very rigid, you know, and there's no stretching of the time. It's very constant where I... One of the things I love about classical music is when you look at a score, a symphonic score, you go, oh, okay, well, it's in 4-4, four, four, for instance. But then you, you follow the score with the interpretation of the music, and it's got these nice stretches and little pauses, and jazz music in this sense does not do that. It's always about the groove, keeping good time, good tempo, mm -hmm. not slowing down, not rushing. So... It, it, interesting. We learn from each other, <laughs> yes. I would say. But. Jim, I just wanted to say thank you so much for that wonderful demonstration, because that really uh, just cleared up so much for me. You know, I know when people start learning jazz, like taking jazz lessons, they always start with the 12 bar blues. Right. And um, and I always wondered, well, well, how do you get, though, from 12 bar blues to jazz? which you just showed us, it's, uh, it's amazing, you know, like because the blues is clearly the blues and then jazz, it's a different language, but you can hear the overlap, like the, the structure is the same, the, um, you know, same 12 bars, same uh, root chords, right? But then once you have the jazz version, of course, now we have extended harmonies, right? Ninths, elevenths, thirteenths, right? You're doing more kind of stuff, jumping around the register, right? like okay. kind of up and down, whereas the first version was much more steady in the same place, um, more rhythmic complexity. Um, and you yeah. just right there in like two minutes, you showed us the evolution of one style into the other and how they're connected. It's just really wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. And I, uh, I, I also want to emphasize that, you know, the blues is, is the four, it was happening before jazz, but that's, Jazz grew out of the blues. Exactly. So, and, of course, influenced by, you know, European harmonies and, and things like that, that, uh, that extended, you know, the art form. But I, I want to say uh, a couple of the things about improvising. Now, 
so with the blues, there's the blues scale, and uh, there's two ways of approaching improvisation. So you can do like a horizontal improvisation, meaning like with the blues scale, it's six notes. I can take that scale and I can play that those six notes in whatever way I want over the 12 bars. Right. Over C7, F7, G7. Now, in the vertical sense, I can look at each chord individually and go, here's the C7. I can play multiple things that address only that chord. Then when it goes to F7, I'm going to do the same thing. I'll go qualities of F7, qualities of G7. Mm -hmm. So I'll play it for you. Yeah, I was going to say, could you demonstrate a little right. bit? Yeah. So the blue notes are... So now I'll now I'll play addressing each chord. so much okay so i see so in the first version basically you're only using the notes of the blue uh the blue scale am i correct that's correct right and then the second version is much more chromatic and you basically have access to any scale that fits the chord yeah yeah and actually uh all 12 notes are available but that's that's putting the cart a little bit too far down the road before the right. horse it's but the thing is uh What's important to remember with imp improvisation when you're addressing the chords, if I only address the third of the chord, the major third of C, F, and G, then immediately you're getting a sense of what the harmony is. Is it major or minor? Right. So, you know. And even if I don't use a bass note, 
There's no bass note, but it was a describing of the harmony. So right. that's that in that sense, and of course, blues players like BB King, of course, they would go in and out of this. But in jazz, it's all of a sudden we can utilize the modes, the mixolydian mode, the diminished scale, the ultra diminished scale, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all right, these, right, right. A lot of more things are available, but uh, the beauty of you know the blues. Uh, it's like your your the the blue scale. It's like you're floating over the top. You know, you kind of can't make a mistake with those six notes. Right. It's it's great, but uh, more sophisticated. Not not to sound that can sound a little bit derogatory. No, it it's just more expression, a larger vocabulary. Right. Of expression. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, that, that clears some stuff up. Thank you. Yeah, so I feel like in classical music, you kind of have the black and white of major and minor up until about, I don't know, Debussy or something, right? And it's very clearly major or minor. Yes, there's like, you know, modal mixture, but those are really the two anchoring forces until we get to 20th century music. And then, um, and then in blues, I think like one of the defining characteristics is you have both kind of at the same time. Right. And, and <clears throat> what you were doing just now, I was, I was like, oh, yeah, it's interesting when you really anchor that major third, then it immediately sounds less bluesy to me. And I think your instincts as a jazz and blues player, like, keep, uh, like you kept sneaking that minor third in there as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, True. And then and then when you get to more what we think of as jazz, right, then all these different scales come in and like you said greater vocabulary much wider color palette so there's less of this kind of duality of major and minor right yeah it well it becomes it, it's all true but it becomes a, a mix and it becomes actually quite personal to the player you know yeah. like like with oscar peterson like a virtuoso unbelievable technique but very blues oriented a lot of that minor third Flat five, flat seven. I mean, he he always had that in the mix, quite often. But you you'll hear an element of the blues in practically any jazz musician play. But uh, but then uh, somebody like Keith Jarrett, who's got a great sense of the blues and gospel, but he'll go like it all of a sudden is a very very different language and utilizing much more than Oscar did. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but it's still it, it's, you know, it's still very, very personal, but uh, they're still playing on the same chord changes, the same yeah. form, you know. But then again, uh, then on top of that is the touch of the individual pianist and and how they assemble their chords, how they move them. I mean, it's uh, but it, it, it it's. It, it's true. I mean, it's just, it, and in classical music, um, such a wealth of amazing harmonic things. Yes, it, but especially when it, when it started to get in to the 20th century, well, late 19th century, but especially 20th century, W.C., and then, of course, Stravinsky and Schoenberg and 12-tone and all kinds of things. I mean, everything is open now i mean right has has been for a long time and so uh and playing 
uh, outside of the key. For instance. So the C7. So, uh, and, and one thing I learned from uh, uh, Dave Liebman, the great saxophonist who played with Miles Davis and uh, Elvin Jones, who played with John Coltrane, very serious lineage in history, was that his, he had just a, a great concept about, you know, uh, like cadences, you know, tension and release and where like this, I can go outside of something, but as long as occasionally I come back in and I hit a point of resolution, and it's like, ah, oh, I'm off again. You know, you can go, and of course, classical music, we learned that from classical music, of the tension, and then coming back home, and then going away again. Right. If it's only always away, well, that's much more avant-garde, which I love, too. But the best avant-garde players, in my mind, are the ones who have a sense of cadence and resolution. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, well, uh, I, I'm not getting some. I'm not getting enough from it. I, I like some sense of form, but yeah, it's got to be anchored in something, right? Yes, yes, and I think that's. It, it, plus, I think it's very much more musically riveting for the listener to go. Oh, and it's like, wow, how did they get back there? Oh, wow, where did they go? Oh, they're back again. You know, dr dramatic makes right. it more dramatic. So, Right. This concludes part one of our interview with Jim Riddle. Tune in next time for more of Jim's insights and amazing improv demonstrations.